is the Big Church Podcast. All right, Harper, tell me the Christmas story. First, an angel appeared to Mary, and um, she told her she was about to have a baby. How long was Mary pregnant with Jesus? I think 11 years, and I think she um, went back to Bethlehem to be counted. And then I think she knocked on the um, innkeeper's door, and then... Um, Did the innkeeper have a name? I think so. What do you think his name was? Mm, Fred. He said, oh, I have a stable for a bed. And then um, they went to the stable, and then um, baby Jesus was born, and then... How much did he weigh? 25 pounds. They got a manger and then some hay to put in it, and then they laid baby Jesus in it. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, any of you ladies out there thinking about having a baby, you're probably going to rethink this after the 25-pound, 11-year process. So some of you, guys, some of you young mothers, like, oh Lord Jesus, I'm never having kids. Good to see you guys this morning. How's everybody doing? How many is ready for Christmas? Oh, yeah, all 12 of you are ready for Christmas. I don't know that I'm ever really ready for Christmas. Christmas is crazy. Come on. The whole time from, the whole time from Thanksgiving to Christmas is just a crazy time. And when you start thinking about the time and the lists that people put together, come on, can I... Some of these people, some of these young people have stuff on their list that costs more than my first car. And they start going, I would like to have an iPhone 23. It has to have a digital, whatever, I'm making this stuff up as I go. But it has to have all the bells and the whistles and they got to have a game system that I remember we had an Atari when I was a kid. Y'all know what Atari is? We had an Atari when I was a kid that cost probably 100 bucks. These gaming systems are crazy and you adults need to get off of them a little bit. Here we go. That's for another message. And then have you seen the commercial where they go out and the guy's like, hi, honey, I got you some earrings. And, and she's, no, no. So I got you some earrings. And she goes outside and says, I got you something. And there's two $50,000 cars sitting in the driveway. I'm like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I hope I don't have to make that payment. But sometimes, you know, Christmas uh, lists are crazy. But what's up with lists anyway? Why do we even need a list if we're going to wrap it and you know what it is? Come on. You give a list over to someone, and he's like, well, I want this and like this. Well, we're going to take $30 worth of wrapping paper and tape and time, and we're going to put all this stuff together, and we're still, you're going to know what's in the box, but yet we're going to have a mess at Christmas. What's up with that? I remember growing up as a kid, you got presents, you got socks, underwear, and a toy. And I remember my mom and dad, this is so funny. My mom and dad wrapped up under the tree. I got a baseball bat and a glove. You ever, try to, you ever try to not wrap a baseball bat? I was like, gee, mom, I wonder what that is. I'm looking at it. It's conformed to the bat handle, and it looks like the bat. But what they did, they did surprise me, the bottom of it was a brand new mitt. And that's what the excitement of Christmas should be about. Not about the things that you get, but the excitement and wonder of it. You know, what about a cardboard box? Do y'all ever have fun with a cardboard box? I remember I got a present one time. It was a moon racer. And I remember this, that I played with the box for like two months. 
The moon racer, I think, got put in the outside somewhere, probably tore it up trying to go down a hill with it. We weren't supposed to do that with it. But we played with that box like it was the greatest gift in the world. Things have kind of changed just a little bit since I grew up back 100 years ago. 45% of Americans would prefer to skip Christmas. Holiday stress shows this, that 69% of the people are stressed out by a lack of time, 71 are stressed out by a lack of money, and 51% are stressed out about the pressure to give and to get gifts. Wow. Let's look at the first Christmas together on Luke 2.1. Technically, this is the first Christmas together, so I, I just want for all you people, out, historians out there, I don't want y'all to say, how do you know that, Pastor Rich? Well, this is my version. Here we go. <laughs> Luke 2.1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went from, out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The King James says taxed. How many is ready for tax season? Right, and I got, I got a lot of young people going, hey, praise the Lord, tax season. I got a lot of us like going, oh, man, we could just kind of skip over tax season. That would be the greatest thing in the world. Luke 2. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Here was a crazy time going on right now. We had a small town of Bethlehem, and in this small town there was hundreds of people who had just been brought into this place. It all started like just crazy for Joseph and Mary. They're like, they get this visitation from, from the angel saying, you're going to have a baby. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been with a man. And they get all of these things that are, are brought to them. So it's happening so fast. So here's their plan. I don't like to do spontaneous things. I remember going on vacation one time years ago, had no plan. And I just decided we're just going to get in the car and we're going to go. And we got to the point where we got, and when we got there, there was some kind of two or three conventions going on at the same time in the place where we were. So we get there, and I figure I'm going to get a room, or we're just going to do this. No rooms available. I slept in the car the first night. And then we finally found a room for, I paid too much for the room, and it stunk. It had a leaky air conditioning unit. Because that's why I like to plan ahead when I go do anything because I want to make sure that I am going to be in luxury. But here's their trip. 80 miles from Bethlehem. No, 80 miles from Galilee to Bethlehem. And here we go. She was very pregnant. Any of you ladies out there that had babies, do you know what it means being by very pregnant? Not just the starting point of it, but actually when you're like so pregnant, I mean, I don't know that feeling, but when, you, when you're so pregnant that you just feel like you're that 80 miles on the back of a donkey. I remember riding, i got a lot of stories for you this morning. I remember riding my first horse. It was the last time I rode a horse. <laughs> they brought this horse out and they set it. They didn't set it, but they brought this horse out and they said, you need to get on this horse. I had the biggest horse of all of them. And I think it was the dumbest one of all of them. So they set me up on top of this horse. And, and all of a sudden, everything that everybody's horse, else's horse was doing, my horse was going to do the same exact thing. We drove for about three miles. It felt like 300 miles. 
When I came back, I was so sore, and I vowed that I would never, ever, ever ride a horse again. And so far, 30 years later, I've never been on the back of a horse again. Praise God. Come on. Never. Anybody rid ridden a horse out here? Anybody love riding horses? I altar call. I'm praying for you guys because it was not a great experience for me. But there are people that love that. It's okay. I'm not down on you. But what happened when they made this trip? You know, doubt must have crept in somewhere. They must have started thinking, what the heck? I get a visitation from an angel. They say I'm going to have the holy child. And, and it's been a hard trip, and there's no room, and the stable is smelly, and it's cold, and I don't have a crib. What in the world is happening? What in the world is going on? If this is the Son of God, shouldn't it be just a little bit different? Shouldn't there be something happening different? But sometimes God doesn't do things the way that we do them sometimes. Sometimes God doesn't think the way that we think the way. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. What the enemy meant for evil, the circumstances and the situations and the people and the pain, God is using for the good. Come on, can I, can I get an amen on that? What the enemy meant for evil in your life, and maybe your plans did not work out, but God is about to flip the script on him, and he's going to do, he's going to turn that for the good. Your pain can be your platform. Trials can be your testimony. Your purpose can be tied to your promise, and obstacles can be your opportunity. Sometimes we got to look back on the things in our life and we think that we have the woe is me mentality. And listen, I'm not diminishing anything that you went through in your life. There are legitimate things that happened in our life. But let me tell you what happens when you give that over to God. What the enemy meant to kill you with, God is going to give life to someone else with. Y'all ought to be more excited than that. The things that you're going through in your life right now, you feel like they're going to kill you. But I'm telling you, he's going to use it to bring life into someone else if you'll allow it. Mary thought, Jesus' purpose began in a manger, in a trough, and it ended in a cross. We don't have all the answers, but sometimes God just wants us to go. He didn't, they, he didn't lay, lay out the plan to them as they were going. He just said, I want you to go and do exactly what I've told you to do. Mary and Joseph thought they were going because the man made the law and told them they had to go to be taxed. But this journey was fulfilling prophecy written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Let me just tell you something. If you've not read the Bible, if you've not kept up with it, there are thousands of prophecies that happened Thousands of years before that were all fulfilled in the New Testament. I won't get into to the statistics that say the probability of that happening is astronomical. But sometimes this journey, Micah 5.2 says this. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from the old and from everlasting Sometimes things are hard to see, but that was written hundreds of years before Bethlehem ever happened. That was written hundreds of years before the trip ever happened. It was written hundreds of years before they even thought of it. Things were happening, but sometimes it's hard to see. Luke 2, 7 says this. And then she brought forth her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The title of my message this morning is No Vacancy. No Vacancy. 
Here's the innkeeper. And what we hear about the innkeeper, I just read to you. Put that back up there. Um, put up book seven back up there. Because there was no room for them in the inn. There is no Fred written there. There is no name written there. The innkeeper, there was no record of his name. There was really nothing about him. Let me just be honest with you. The innkeeper could have been famous. He could have had his own reality TV show. Come on. Y'all love those shows? I hate them. Man, what's up with y'all? Come on, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He could have been famous. He could have had stories written about him. But he could have overcharged for the rooms. You know, there people were in desperate need. And he could have had a neon sign outside of his, his end saying, The Son of God is born here. Yeah. Only this. He missed the opportunity because there was no vacancy for them. A lot of times we miss the opportunity. It's still that way today. Jesus is kind of going door to door. And he's knocking. And we look out the door and we see the welcome mats out. It's really pretty. A lot of y'all got some pretty welcome mats out there, right? But right next to the welcome mat, you got a no soliciting thing written on your window. Right next to the welcome mat, you got a doorbell that will show everything that's going on on the outside. you got security stickers and, and vicious dogs like we have. My dogs will lick you to death. They will not bite you, I promise you. But we have all these things out, and, and, and we want to be welcome, but the door is closed. Why are, the doors, why are the doors not open? Because we're busy. Come on. Anybody, everybody in this room, if I asked you if you were busy, you would stick your hand up in the air. I'm busy, Pastor. I'm busy. I've used it before, too, man. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. But busyness can make you miss out on who's knocking on the door. Business can make you miss out on what's happening right before your eyes because you're just so busy. Sometimes we're so busy we don't see our kids grow. Sometimes we're so busy with our jobs and, and the opportunities of where we're going to, we don't actually see things start growing in our lives. Was there really no place in the inn? It's maybe a little bit crowded. It was late in the day. Or because Mary and Joseph just weren't part of the rich and famous they didn't have their own reality TV show. They didn't have all of the things that, would say, that the world says should be important. He missed the opportunity. Blindness can make you look past a lot of things in your life. Yeah. Number two, why the door is not open. House is full of junk. Have you ever... I helped Tony clear out some houses uh, about a year or so ago. You would not believe the things people hoard. You would not believe the things that people hold on to and they stack up and, and you just, you don't know where all of this stuff comes from, really, when you fill up two dumpsters full of people out of their house. When I clean the house with my wife, if there's a piece of lint left on the floor after I sweep, here's the key thing. Did you clean this floor? Here's what I say. Obviously, I did not clean the floor because you found the piece of lint that you were looking for. And then she'll go on. We had this conversation yesterday. This house is so filthy. I said, let me take you to a house that's so filthy. Yeah. 
So a lot of times we won't even open the door because our house is so full of junk. We don't want anybody to see past the threshold. We stand at the door and we kind of crack it open just a little bit. Well, hold on. You ever, have, you ever try to talk to someone they got their foot out the door and they're holding the door and like, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to put a smile on my face, but you ain't going no farther than right here. That's what it is. We get to the point where we're trying to hoard and keep all of the junk, and God's trying to get in the door. He's knocking on the door. He's actually doing it very uh, tenderly, and he wants to get us to the place where we'll just open it up and see what's inside. Number three is we have locked the door, and we've put up barriers. There's fear and pride and failure and condemnation and hurt and anger and bitterness and negativity. And I could go on. All of these things have kept us not only with a lock on the door, but we have 14 locks on the door. You ever seen that picture where there's a slide lock, there's a padlock, there's all these kinds? That's what we do. We put up the barrier and say, nobody is getting in my door because of this. Number four. Is disobedience. Ooh! How many of us are guilty of that one? Two hands. Everybody's got, everybody gets your hands in the air. Everybody's guilty of this one. Our sign, oh, here's good. I wish I had this one. You ever seen a no vacancy sign that was kind of out of order? It's flickering on the edge of vacancy and no vacancy. You'll watch it. Isn't that like our life? We have room for Jesus when it's convenient for us. We have room for Jesus when it, oh, help me, Jesus. It fits our schedule. We have room for Jesus when everything in our lives is kind of seemingly going well. We just don't, sometimes we just don't want to do what God's asked us to do. Sometimes it ain't just the no vacancy. Sometimes it's just closed for business. The innkeeper missed out on a lot of things because he just was not paying attention. In the story, it seems like he was just there to relay to them that there was no room, and you never hear of them again. But stop and put yourself in his shoes. Has Jesus come to your door and has he knocked? And here's what you do. You kind of pretend he's not there. Have you... Have you ever had somebody come to your door and they knock on the door and you're sitting on the couch and guess what? You pretend they're not there. You say, dogs, shut up. Be quiet because I don't want anyone to know that I'm home. We do that a lot of times with Jesus. We come, he comes knocking on our door and we stand back and say, wait a minute, I hear him knocking, but you can't come in. I hear you knocking. But you're not allowed to come in here because I don't have time for that. Let me go on. The bottom line is this. Listen to this. You make space for what's important to you. Everybody in this place makes space for what's important to them. I make space on Saturday when college football is on to watch college football. I make space because it's important to me. Listen, Linda. You make space... For what's important to you. Okay, Miss Instagram for, thir- for two hours on, on volume 12. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, let's go back. You ever, okay, you ever been around somebody and, and not, not, I'm not dogging on her. I'm talking about this period. They got their phone on volume 40 yeah. and they're playing every 
Oh, I don't mean to say that. Every stupid video that's ever been on the world's, on the planet, they're playing it. Uh -huh. And you got all these people laughing and, and they're like, that is the most annoying thing. Much more annoying than watching a football game on Saturday. Thank you so much. I'm going on. Here we go. <laughs> but here's what we need to do. I told you I'd get you back. We need to inventory our end. What and who is occupying your space, your time, your resources? Why does Jesus not have any room in your life? What are you willing to move or remove from your life to give him more space? Here we go. You have, we can't just give him a space. We got to give him the space. There's a difference between a space and the space. God, I'll give you this little corner over here that I don't really use that much. And God, I'm going to give you this part back here that nobody really sees that part over here. God, you can have that one. God says, I want all of you. Wow. That sounds pretty selfish, doesn't it? God wants all of your heart. He wants all of the things. You know why he wants that? Not because he's selfish. He wants to expand your capacity. Listen, you don't have time now. Give God more time. You'll see your time expand. You don't have the money right now. God, give God your money, and he'll make your money stretch farther than you ever thought it would do. If you think that if you give him more prayer in your life, you're going to find out you have more time and more resources to do what you need to do. The more space you provide, the more he's going to fill. God is limitless. We limit him sometimes to think, okay, God, you can only do this. But if you'll give him everything and open up, he'll keep giving you more and more. Don't be afraid of the small beginnings. Luke 2.12 says this. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Jesus was born in obscurity. He was born unknown. He was born not important to the world. He was born in the not the best accommodations. And he was fully human. You know why he was fully human? Because he needed to feel what you feel. you got to understand, following Jesus may be lonely at times, and you might feel rejected. He was lonely at times, and he felt rejected. Following Jesus may make you feel like that, that nobody else cares. I'm sure Jesus, because he was human, he had those same thoughts. Man, he did. But right before he went to the cross, he said, Father, they've, they've forgotten about me. Why have you forsaken me? He knows what you're feeling. You may find yourself in a low place today, but that doesn't mean you got to stay there. So many people find themselves in a place and they feel like they have to camp out in that place and stay in that place. But God says that Jesus did not let his environment define him. He didn't let all of this stuff that happened in his life define him. And neither can you. You can't let what happened to you years ago. You can't let your past and the things call you who you are and put a label on you. The little, little did the innkeeper know this, but there was something bigger going on in the barn. That's my country coming out. There was something much bigger going on outside in the barn. Sometimes what we do is while everybody was sleeping in comfort, while everybody was, there was something amazing happening in the least expected place that you would think. You would think that the king of kings and the lord of lords would have the best suite and the best things. But the thing what happened out there in the barn was what they did. Jesus doesn't enter your lives looking for the, place, for the pretty places. Yeah, 
He doesn't enter your life looking for the easy places. He doesn't enter your life looking for the comfortable places. He says, I want you to make room for me just, just the way you are. There you go. Just the way you are. He doesn't want you to pretend. He doesn't want you to make up something or try to be something you're not. He says, I'm coming in to change the things. I'm going to create space, and I'm going to make something brand new in you. God ain't about piecing it together. He's not about piecing it together. He's about making sense. Behold, I make all things new. He doesn't want to make the better version of you. There was a man that came to Jesus one day. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came to Jesus. He says, what do I got to do to get what you got? I'm giving you the, my version. What do you got? What do I have to do? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus was like, what? You know, I'm, I can't go back in the mother's womb. What are you talking about? God wants to change your life so fully that you don't look like you used to look. He wants to birth something, not just the old version of you. He wants to make something brand new in you. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Born again is a spiritual rebirth. God's trying to birth something out of your life, and you may not be aware of it, but other people are. I'm helping somebody out right now. I've had some conversations with some people. You may not see it in yourself, but other people are seeing the change and the transformation that's happening in your life. You may not feel like my addictions are going away overnight, but there's other people in your family that are now seeing what God is doing in your life. Keep it up. You may not feel it all the time, but God says it's there. Birthing to adult takes time. It takes some time. You don't throw a little baby out there and just say, okay, walk. Hold on a minute. Boom. Oh, don't do that. Child's protective. Get me. You don't just throw it out there and say, okay, take off walking. You have to nurture that baby. You have, to, you have to cheer it on when it goes from table to table. Come on, y'all. God's up there cheering you on right now. He's saying, look at my baby out there. It's going from table to table to table. It stumbled a little bit, but I'm picking it back up and I'm moving it where I need it to be. That's what God thinks about you. The innkeeper may have got a bad rap too, though. Think about this. He didn't have much to offer, but he gave his best. He didn't have much to give because it was full, but he gave the best that he had. Maybe you feel like you don't have much to give, but give what you got. You got to make room for him with prayer. You got to make room and give him more time. You have to make room and give him more of your worship. If y'all would stand with me, please. I want you to think about this for a moment. There was no place for him in the inn. There's no place for him in his hometown. There was no place for him in the world then and seemingly in the world today. But here's the great thing. He still came to save it. He still sent his only son to save that which rejected him. Because you know why? He looked over a span of 2,000 years and he said, there's going to be a group of people standing in big church one day 
that's going to need my son. There's going to be a group of people in your family some 2,000 years later is going to need the sacrifice. He said, I'm going to go do it anyway. That's how much he values you. Is your life busy? Are you crowded with priorities and time management? And Jesus is standing. He's just standing at the door and he's going. He's knocking. And the Bible says he knocks just slightly. He doesn't beat your door down. He doesn't stand or kick it. He said he knocks, he knocks quietly. And he said, I just want you to open the door and let me in. A stable and a manger welcome the king. Who, were your, what, who or what were your in welcome? Here's what we got to do during this holiday season. First of all, if you haven't made Jesus your personal savior, that is the step, that is the first step that you need to take. And it'll be the best thing you've ever done in your life. You need to give him your whole heart. Say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, you just come to him and he'll show you how to do that. But if we take Jesus from the stable of our heart and we give him the king-size accommodations that he really needs, that's when you're going to start seeing things change. He's tired of being on the back burner. He's tired of being uh, where you think about him sometimes. God says, no, I want a double king in your heart. And if you do those things, he'll transform your place to a place of joy, a place of peace, and transformation in your life. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.